0: to then have everything completely uprooted again in 2018 um, when I got diagnosed with a super rare autoimmune disease that basically my bone marrow stopped working. Um, I was in, in an essence bleeding from the inside out. So I had blood everywhere. I had blood on my brain. I had blood dripping on my spinal cord. So one of those things that I was at the risk of stroking out at any minute to then realize that I was in neuro ICU and all this stuff kind of got thrown at me again at the ripe old age of 30, yeah, 31.
1: Hey, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today I'm here with Dan Olson. Dan is an autoimmune warrior, depression survivor, adversity debunker former professional water skier, that is so cool, and a (laughs) live life to the fullest kind of guy. He helps lead, teach, and inspire others to live their life to the fullest potential by overcoming adversity in all forms. Back in 2019, Dan started Olson Project Foundation after being hospitalized for a super rare autoimmune condition, which turned his life upside down again. The Olson Project Foundation is a not-for-profit that focuses on men's mental health and autoimmune disease. If you would like to connect with Dan or learn more about his mindset coaching, business and nonprofit, you can find him at the Dan Olson on Instagram or at thedanolson.com. Dan, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you really?
0: Thank you for having me. And yeah, today, actually, this is a crazy thing. And I didn't realize this when we booked this appointment. Um, today marks the 20-year anniversary of my brother's passing, so today um, is definitely a tough day. It brings up a lot of emotions, all that kind of stuff, but it's great that we're here talking, especially going to talk about what we're going to talk about and men's mental health and all that kind of stuff and the journey that it's sent me down, how that one day has shaped and changed my life for, for good. So today has been... To say that it's been easy or it's a good day, I'd probably not shy away from it, but it's a it's a learning day, it's an exploring day, that kind of stuff. And it's I'm I'm still here, I'm grateful for it. So ultimately it is a good day.
1: First of all, I am um, I know how hard those days are of the anniversary of losses. So my heart really goes out to you. And I am so thankful that you showed up and are here to have this conversation and to bring awareness to mental health and autoimmune disease. So thank you so much for being you. And with that, let's jump right into your story. Tell us a little bit more about you.
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, we'll kind of start off. I'm a small town kid from Minnesota, grew up um, about hour and a half north of the Twin Cities um, and have moved to Florida, relocated to Florida in 2005, uh, to pursue a dream of becoming a professional water skier, um, and had an opportunity to work at SeaWorld and then Cypress Gardens and that kind of stuff. So I was able to fulfill my lifelong childhood dream of that, but to kind of back up before that, I was just a fun kid wanting to, be outside as much as I can, played every sport under the sun. Water skiing always had a special place in, in my heart and and family and that kind of stuff along with snow skiing, obviously, being up in Minnesota. But then having, like I kind of stated already, having my brother's passing happened to me when I was 14 um, definitely shaped and changed my life in a way that I never knew it was going to. So for me to sit here and say that life has been a roller coaster is kind of an understatement. I use that as a, as, as kind of like you always have ups and downs, but it's one of those things that for me, having a positive mindset, looking at the greater things that when I can has really gotten me through some dark days, um, to then be come down to Florida. I was a professional water skier, show skier for 12 years, um, on and off. And then, Got an opportunity to move to Japan. So I lived in Japan for two years being a professional stuntman as well. So um, I've also performed in water ski shows all around the world um, for hundreds of thousands of people. So my life's been kind of a crazy up and down journey to then get into the professional sales side of things for... um, the water sports industry. So I got to go on the backside of the industry then, which was super cool. And I got to work with my idols and people that I looked up to growing up and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a surreal thing of when you put your mind to something and, and you really drive towards that where life can go and where, where it can take you to then have everything completely uprooted again in 2018. Um, when I got diagnosed with a super rare autoimmune disease, That basically my bone marrow stopped working. Um, I was in in an essence bleeding from the inside out. So I had blood everywhere. I had blood on my brain. I had blood dripping on my spinal cord. So one of those things that I was at the risk of stroking out at any minute to then realize that I was in neuro ICU and all this stuff kind of got thrown at me again at the ripe old age of 30, yeah, 31, and how my life changed again in a drastic way to then start. I've always wanted to have a nonprofit or figure out how I could give back. I've always loved helping people, but I never knew what to do. So once this kind of came around, I'd always had mental health and, and then the autoimmune side. So that's what created the Olson Project back in 2019 when we launched that to kind of give back to and raising awareness around autoimmune disease, especially for not specifically just for the patient, but also the caregivers and just that knowledge and that information that nobody had. Like when we were going through it, it was kind of like you had to research Google. Again, we can all go down a rabbit hole. It can be way worse than what it is, but it was just kind of to develop that. And then obviously with the with my brother's passing, I went in and out of depression and suicidal ideations and all that kind of stuff. So for me to also be battling depressive thoughts or suicidal thoughts during all of this, I was like, I need to really get out there and, and really share like, Hey guys, it's time to talk about this. And it's um, the Movember Foundation, which is obviously when everybody, when all the guys grow their mustaches is in November was what actually, I've been doing it now, I think seven or eight years um, consistently, but that's what kind of helped me open up a little bit more and talk more about it. So we've done some events with them through the Olson project is also, and so it's one of those things that it's just trying to. The more we can talk about it, the more we can generalize it or make it normal to talk about our feelings. The better off we can kind of all be, and that runs out all facets of life, not just for mental health or autoimmune, but just in general. The more that we can speak up about it, and in a nutshell, my life. Other people will look at it and go, "You live a crazy life," and that's how it's for me. I've I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, it shaped me who I am today, and I'm grateful. And I'm forever amazed that what life can do and how we can shift and grow in so many different ways that we never knew possible
1: okay first of all you are the definition of a pain to purpose story like you are absolutely amazing there are very very few people who go through a tough time and come out of it I mean this was 2018 you said
0: yeah. 2018, September of 2018 is when I got um, diagnosed and I got put into, I went into here's uh, we'll kind of back up on this story. So I went in, w- I was at, at my largest trade show. I was working for as a manufacturer sales rep at the time. And it was our largest trade show up in Orlando. We got done a little bit early setting up and that kind of stuff. And I wasn't feeling a hundred percent. And I was like, ah, I'm going to go in and I'm going to just run to urgent care. I'm going to get some antibiotics maybe a bag of fluids just was feeling run down, get to the urgent care. And the guy's like, you have something way worse than what I think I can even diagnose. Um, you need to go to the hospital right now. And I was like, okay. He's like, how did you get here? And I was like, I drove and he goes, you drove. Well, I'm going to call you an ambulance. And I was like, you're not calling me an ambulance. Like I'll, so I drive around the corner down to the emergency room at Dr. Phillips. Um, which, is, which is a part of the Orlando Regional Medical Centers. And they admit made me write, he handed me like this letter and he goes, I don't know if this is going to get you in any earlier or not, but here have this. And they pulled me in. So what kind, what we found out was your normal platelet levels on any given human is between 140,000. And I think right now they just upped it, but it's up to like 300 to 400,000 platelets in your system at any given time. And platelets are what, Clot your blood, so if you cut yourself or anything like that, it's what helps you helps you stop bleeding. Anything under a hundred thousand, people get start getting concerned about. Anything under fifty thousand, you're at a severe risk of kind of dying or anything like that. I was at two thousand platelets, so I wasn't even. I was so far on the other side of the scale that my doctors were like, "Yeah, you're." I was at risk of stroking out. They told me, Hey, if you would have waited probably 24 hours, you probably would have had a stroke and you wouldn't have been able to survive because of your body. Couldn't your heart, everything else wouldn't have been able to stop what was happening. And I was like, didn't register at the time. Cause I was focused on work and this and, and, and everything else. And it was a crazy six days in the hospital, neuro ICU, hundreds of tests, blood transfusions, all that kind of stuff to then every other day, I was back up to Orlando to get either a blood transfusion, blood draw, because my body just couldn't regulate itself. We didn't know what was going on to then come out of this thing. Now, three years later, four years later, and I'm not on any medications. I, my levels are all within normal ranges. My doctors have said, they're like, we don't know what you did. We don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. You are an anomaly and we don't understand it. So that's i.e. where the Olson project came from as well, because I was, as I was going through the treatments, the doctor that takes, takes your blood and then does all, runs all the panels and that kind of stuff, they were the ones that nicknamed me the Olson project. And I didn't know that until I was about almost eight months into the whole journey and or not eight months, probably three months in. Sorry, three months in, and they're like, she came out and she goes, "I needed to meet you because I see all your levels and they're all over the board, and we can't figure it out. We don't know what's going on, and I just wanted to let you know that we've named you the Olson Project." And I was like, "Well, that's interesting." So when we were trying to come up with names for the nonprofit, I said that as a joke, and I was like, "Well, wait, no, actually, that's like they. This is what this is what they classify me at the hospital as is the Olson Project because." They don't know what's going on and they don't understand like so it was that kind of cool thing that we've then brought that over to to start that. But yeah, it's been it's been a very crazy journey to say the least for the last handful of years.
1: I am so amazed that it has it's been less than four years. At the time of recording this episode, it has been less than four years, and you have gone from pain to purpose like I don't know how else to describe it you created something so positive out of an experience that sounded absolutely terrifying and confusing maybe even isolating and you took that as a way to raise awareness for other people and provide them with the information that you didn't have and really needed at the time so I hope you take time to really celebrate yourself and the amazingness of what you're doing so First of all, you said that with the Olsen Project, you are raising awareness. So what was that first time that you decided to speak up? What was that like?
0: So for me, it was was a tough situation because as a male, it's kind of rub some dirt on it, get over it. And you don't talk about it. So it was always that my parents had always asked like, Hey, are you doing okay? And this and that. And I was the typical response of, yeah, everything's good. Good. Everything's fine. Whatever. Like, and I would brush it off when I knew deep down that stuff wasn't fine, but it was things that I needed to, it's just unfortunately how I dealt with it, but then understanding and reading more about certain things and saying, well, like, life doesn't have to be this way. Like life does not have to feel the way that I'm feeling right now. And that's where it kind of really started to open up and open my eyes up to a whole new world of you don't actually have to live in this deep depression or this, these suicidal thoughts and that kind of stuff. It was an eye-opening experience because actually what happened was I started speaking up. I obviously was a little bit before that, would like hint on like, oh, I've dealt with depression and this and that, and little things drop here and there. But then it finally came to a thing that I was like, I need to go get professional help. Like, I need to get there's something not right here. Like, it's it's gone on far too long. I need professional help. So I went and I Google searched professional help or what, and got um, sent to a psychiatrist right away. And he's like, I was there for probably four minutes. And he's like, yep, you've got, you're, you're clinically depressed or whatever. Take this medication. We'll see you in two weeks. And I was like, okay, like we're not even going to talk about this. Like, this isn't something I'm like, so it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it was, and then I was like, I was taking the medication, but I was feeling worse. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why am I feeling even worse now? So when I went back and saw him in two weeks, I was like, Hey, like, I don't like, I know that this may take a little bit of time, but why do I feel worse now than I did before? And he's like, oh, it could take up to a month for for the drugs to kick in. I'm like, but what are we doing to try to combat this? So, and his response was just stay on the medication. We're going to up your dosage. You'll be all right. I was like, okay. And and at this point I was like, okay, sure, whatever. I don't know what else to kind of say. And a month goes by. And I felt even worse. And I was like, okay, there's something going on here that does not make sense to me. Stuff is not adding up. And I think when we have that innate feeling of something's not adding up, something we need to lean into and listen to because our gut or our mind, like when you have that innate feeling, it's because of a real reason that's probably like, hey, let's look at this a little bit deeper. So I then went back to him and I was like, I'm done with you. I don't want to take the medication. I'm, I'm out. And he's like, well, I don't think that that's a great idea, blah, blah, blah. And it was really weird in how the whole aspect went. I then went and saw another therapist and we kind of chatted about it. And we, we dove a little bit deeper into more kind of the hour sessions, that kind of stuff, but it never, I guess the other thing was, I was really good at covering it up so I could tell the therapist what he wanted to hear in that scenario. And he's like, yep, you're good. Don't worry about it. Have a good day. So I was in like three months, then I was better and healed, but I never actually dealt with anything or dealt with the traumas until now I'm now with my latest therapist who I've had for probably about seven, eight months now. And he's, and I've gone through a bunch of coaches and there's always, and that's where it's like one of those things that up until this last therapist, I always felt bad that we would, I wouldn't mesh with them or wouldn't figure it out. And there's nothing. And that's what he, he opened up right away and said, if you don't like me and this doesn't work, that's fine. That's great actually, because we'll find you somebody that does. This isn't a re- like, sometimes you got to break up with the therapist to get better. And that's, and he was like, and if that's the case, I take no shame in that. So for that to then, and then, it, cause I always felt bad before then, like going to different coaches or therapists. I was like, well, just not working out anymore, but I feel bad about it. So now to have it and to be a little bit more open. And I, I meet with them about every two weeks now, um, where it was for a while. It was a lot more than that. Now it's every two weeks, we're going to push it probably out to a month now. And he's even, he's even saying, he's like, Dan, he's like, you, I get why you don't want to take medication, but if, if you need to, at some point, don't be ashamed to it but it's also just speaking up. And and what I've found has helped me is being more open about this and talking more about this on a more grander scale and saying, hey guys, like I deal with this to this day. It goes on all the time. And that's where a lot of people say, oh, well, you've got it figured out now. I don't have, I don't have it figured out. Nobody has it figured out, we'll say, but it's, it's growing, growing as a person and speaking up is what truly changed my life and has sent me down a whole new path and a whole new way of going about things. And it's, it's a tough time though. It's very tough, especially for males to get to that realm to say, you know what? I'm ready to speak up because you feel at least I did. And I'll speak for myself. I felt inadequate. I felt like I wasn't being the typical male that we should be. And that's, what's not okay with it. Like I felt like I would be a worse boyfriend or a worse son or anything like that, which every time it's come up and I've told, they're like, no, you're more, you're better because you're speaking about it. But it's one of those things that it's, it's also, I, it's awkward for males to talk about things. It just is. We've been raised in a different way than, than females. It's just, it's been, there's thousands of studies that have gone on about how, male is going to be raised compared to a female and it's no problem against either parent or anything like that. But it's just one of those things that we, we go through things differently. Teachers, everybody is going to treat a male differently than a female and it's, Oh, the males will figure it out. They'll get into a fight. They'll, they'll sort their stuff out where a female is going to go up and talk and be like, Hey, let's figure this out. It may escalate to a fight for a female, but for the most part, they're going to start with their words and they're going to figure it out that way before males just go straight to, I mean, and it goes back to the gladiator days, like you don't talk, you just go back and like, and that's, what's not right. And that's where I think trying to raise the awareness and be more open and talk about the fact of it's okay to have emotions. Like that's like, everybody has emotions and it's okay to have those, but speak up when stuff isn't making sense.
1: You brought up so many great points, and I really want to go into men and mental health. But first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story with medication. I am a huge advocate for medication when it is needed and when it is properly prescribed. I take medication every single day. However, I very, very much dislike when a psychiatrist only sees someone for a few minutes before deciding that they need a medication and that it's the right medication for them. I think a conversation really needs to be had that's a little bit longer. Specifically, I think in therapy and making sure it's the right diagnosis so that we can begin working toward the right medication. Because for me, for example, I was given a pill for depression. I had bipolar 2 disorder. If you give someone with bipolar disorder an antidepressant, they will go manic. You have to be careful. So I really love that you brought that up because, and this is my opinion, so take it or leave it for those listening, but go to a therapist and get, make sure you feel comfortable with the diagnosis, make sure you ask questions. And then if you feel that medications are an option for you, you want to explore medication as an option, go to the psychiatrist and make sure that you feel comfortable with the diagnosis so that you get a medication that fits it. Because like you said, you were put on a medication after four minutes of talking, there was a diagnosis of medication. And then this medication is making you feel worse. And instead of exploring why it was straight to, well, we'll just raise it. So I really love that you brought that up because that is a conversation that is not had very often.
0: Yeah. And that, I think you put it perfectly in that realm of saying, Hey, medication is great in certain realms and done correctly. It, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not. And, and that's where medication has saved my life with the autoimmune 100%. But it was when doctors told me you're going to be on this the rest of your life. I was like, uh, again, I don't really think that that sits well for me, but let's look at everything and we'll talk about it. And I was obviously much older than when that went through it. I also had my lovely, she was girlfriend at the time turned fiance at the time. Now, my wife, who also was like, that doesn't make sense. Again, she was like, you shouldn't have to be on life, life term medication. Like there's, there should be other ways. And that's where I think you put it perfectly is when it's diagnosed correctly, you feel comfortable with everything, you understand everything, then move into it. I fully agree with. And that's where even my therapist now is like, Hey, if we need to, and he's kind of, and he's like, I'm pointing at you. If we need to go there, we, we don't be opposed to it. And I was like, I fully agree. But I was like, I think we can get through this personally for me right now where I'm at, I can get through this without, and he's like, perfect. But if you start to feel otherwise, and I was like, no, 100%, I agree. And that's, I think you touched on it perfectly. It's a, it's a, opinion. It's how I, how I want to do with my body. And it's also how you want to do with your body, but also being diagnosed the correct way and understanding all facets of it is the way that we need to address everything.
1: Exactly. It is your body, your health. You have to make the decision that is best for you and working closely with your therapist and having your wife who I absolutely adore (laughs) by the way. Um, to be there alongside you, to talk you through it, to advocate with you is just so amazing. I really also want to jump ship now to talking about the difference in how we raise a male versus a female. And this is looking at gender on a binary scale for those who are listening. But when someone, for a female, for my experience, it was, oh, you're emotional, you can cry, it's okay. Or if someone's fighting, it's like, let's talk about it. And that's what we're taught versus the males that it's very true. They're like, oh, they'll punch each other in the recess and then they'll be best friends by lunch. And that's genuinely how it is or how it was when I was in school. I know the world's changed a little bit in the last few years, but I just let's talk about that more. Let's talk more about what it was like growing up as a male and what you were taught versus what a female was taught and how that plays out in mental health.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, I grew up with an older brother. That's it. I didn't have females in my life besides my mom. So, um, I had a couple of cousins that were also 10 years older than me that were females. So I'm going to be probably more on the male dominated side with this, but the way that I've seen it and you touched on it, of it was, it kind of brought a funny memory up of like oh you'll go punch your friend at recess and then you'll be best friends by the end of the day like I had that happen to me in middle school like my one of my friends and I got into a fist fight because of something he said at gym class and the next day or even probably later that afternoon we were great friends again and I'm still great friends with him to this day like it's this like weird weird dynamic but I think to touch on it a little bit more it is that I think it comes, it stems also not from what we, and you can't, I don't want to blame a parent or blame anything like that. It stems from even like your social circles of, oh, don't be a pussy. Don't do this. Sorry for my language, but that's what it, the, the context of what, what it was of like, don't cry. Don't be a pussy. Don't do that. Like man up, man up, like just get over it. That happens more on a social thing. And as we know more now, we all want to be a part of a community. We want to be Together, we want that, and especially as males, we don't want to be excluded because we're being emotional about something. So we suppress it, we wipe the tears, and we get back into it. Where, yeah, I think on on a female side of things, and I've done a little bit of research on it. I'm not by no means super knowledgeable about this, but from what I've gathered is females definitely the way that they're even held. At birth is different from males, the way that they're taken care of. And it's nothing. It's just innately what kind of, unfortunately we go through as humans, that that's how it's, it's kind of brought up. And it's females are told to talk about their feelings. Males are told or just not told to talk about it. It's it, and it's changed as we know. And there's been more, and it's not that I would hate to ever say like, Oh, society's getting soft. I don't think society's getting soft. Society's getting more aware that's where I think for a big chunk of it is that it's people are becoming more aware of like, I don't need to, like, again, I don't need to feel this way or it's okay for me to talk about this. And it's okay for me to grow as a person and not be. So this is the way that it's gotta be. And this is how it goes. So I think that just the raising of kids and children and I'm, I'm going to be heading down that path here shortly. We've got a little one on the way, which is super exciting, um, but also scary for me as well because I want I want to be able to say to my children, "Hey, we're going to sit down and talk about this and really dive deep on this. Not a I don't want a surface answer. I don't want like I want a true answer of like how are you really feeling? We're going to talk about this. How does that make you feel? Not to say, "Oh, this makes you not as adequate, but let's get, let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. So we can try to figure out what to do moving forward. Is it something that you need to go talk to somebody else about, or is it something that you need to go talk to them personally about, but then also building the community and understanding how we can all be together and also just understand that this old school way and i'm using air quotes of doing things i'm not saying it's the wrong way or the right way there's just there's always maybe a different way of doing it and understanding that it's okay to think differently in certain realms and being able to raise and and shape the next generation we're gonna this next generation is gonna be so much more aware than i think more people know um i'm super excited i'm also a little terrified for myself but i know that in the in an essence if i'm true to who i am i'm going to have a great great kids great family all that kind of stuff so it's it's one of those things that i can say i'm terrified just because it obviously I've, i'm first time at this but i know innately that the way that i'm going to handle things with myself and my wife and my kids is going to be the best way and the best foot forward that we can do in that realm that it's only going to make things and life better. And I think to get back to kind of that, the differences of how things are raised, it's males are kind of that old adage of, you do your stuff, you provide, that's what it is. We don't ask questions. That's not all entirely true because we all know that mental health is massively on the rise and more people have talked about it. And I was at an event last weekend um, and more people were like, Oh, that's so great. Like mental health. It's, it's on the forefront of everything. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But people still aren't talking, especially males still are not talking about it. I'm like, guys, like it's one of those things that it's crazy and mind boggling that everybody knows it needs to be talked about, but people still aren't talking about it because, Oh, I don't want to feel this or I'm not ready to talk about it. And it's like, all you got to do is say one word, move forward. One word's better than nothing, and you can continue to build on it. And eventually you're going to be forming sentences, paragraphs, talking for hours about this stuff. So
1: I think you put all of this perfectly, honestly, it is so true in the difference that we do raise male and females, we expect males to suck it up, to be the breadwinners, to provide and to take care of it and be that kind of stable base of the family unit. And females, we expect to be the caregivers, the sensitive ones, the ones who talk about it, who express, who show up and who comfort you. So we have, as a society, like you said, it's more of that social. We actually learned about this in school the other night. So, But it is more of that who we surround ourselves with, what we learn from them and from prior generations, from society and the expectations that they set for us of what kind of box we're supposed to fall in. And now, we've also seen that for people who don't know where they identify, and they don't know which box they fit in, it also becomes very confusing on what role am I supposed to take? Who am I supposed to be? Which can lead to even more mental health struggles, because now there's not just a question in my identity, it's a question in what does the world want me to be? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to fit in with this identity that I'm trying to discover for myself? And as an co- upcoming parent, a new parent, I imagine that it's very stressful to not, in today's world, to not know how society's stigma and expectations and standards can really impact your kid's mental health. Because what do we teach them? What do we not teach them? There's so many questions. And It's hard to have an answer until we get through it and we look back at it and see. I also really want to talk more about that next generation and the ways that we perpetuate this, perpetuate this image that you're supposed to look a certain way and be a certain way. So as an upcoming father, I'd love to know what are your concerns and what are your goals in raising your child to kind of eliminate this stigma
0: That for me is a, it's a (laughs) multi-layered, very multi-layered answer, but it's, it's one thing to say, oh, I want all the boxes to be torn down and there not be anything like that. But there are still a lot of people and a lot of thoughts and a lot of ways out there that unfortunately I think those, those will still be around, but I think it's understanding if I get put into a box and I use air quotes again, doesn't mean that you can't get out of that box and go to another box. I think that's where it's, there's always, to me, there's, there's two sides to every story as we've, as we've all heard, or, Hey, there's let's, let's work on this together. Let's build this in the way. Let's really sit down and say, Hey, okay, where do you want to go? Okay. Where, what's going on? But I think the the bigger thing is, is just trying to have and, an understanding for myself, but then also f- with my wife and also my my children that what the right answer today is might not be the right answer a week from now, a year from now. We all change and evolve and we we move and we're we're moving at such an exponential fast rate now that I think that's part of the reason why people get so overwhelmed by it because they're like, Oh, so and we're absorbing so much information. We're absorbing so much stuff on a daily basis that we don't, sometimes you just need to, I was listening. I was on a coaching call last night and the speaker, the guest speaker they had on her book was shut up and sit. Like that's her book. And all you do is literally shut up and sit with yourself and understand that being back to yourself and being a human being is what really truly matters and how to really focus back in on yourself and on how those things will evolve and external forces are going to always be external forces, but how do we come back to ourselves? How do we come back and say, okay, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. Okay, perfect. How do we need to help or support and move in that direction? And it's being, being understanding of sometimes I know as a parent, I'm probably going to say something that my kids don't like, but I'm also going to be very not, hey, this is how we have to do it. But there are certain things that, as we all know, as, as we get older, my parents made me do and I was like, oh, I really don't like this. But once I got through it, I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Like you can't be upset by it. But in that essence, in that, in that time frame, we get tunnel visioned as humans and we can't get out of that, which sucks because we want to, and we think 16 year old, 18 year old, 21 year old kid. I knew the world. I knew everything. Nobody could tell me differently. Even if I, if the stuff I know now that I wish I would have known when I was 24, is exponential that I'm like mind blowing that it's the stuff that we constantly learn and the stuff that we evolve and grow as humans is, is awesome. But it's one of those things as well, that just, I think being open to whatever gets thrown at us and being open to an understanding that we need to come back to ourselves and be with ourselves to be truly present and to be truly understanding of what else is going on around us, I think is a big thing of where I'm trying and focusing and moving towards and growing as an individual, but also as a family and as a society and that that part of community. So
1: exactly growing together <laughs> and working together and giving the kid a voice and giving yourself a voice because As the adult, as the parent, there are so many times when you're going to know better. I am 23, so I felt a little called out because it's so true. I Sometimes the parents will tell me something, and I'm like, you don't know. They're like, no, when I was your age, I thought the same thing. And one day, you're going to learn. So just listen now. And of course, we don't listen. But it's so true that there are times when, as a parent, it is going to be what you say. And that's it. And there are going to be times when you work together. And you learn and you grow together. So, I really love how you put that because I think people need to hear that and to normalize that there are different ways and different approaches. You don't always have to come to the conclusion together. There are times when you are going to know better and that's okay. And there are times when you're not and it's going to be a process of figuring it out. So, now First of all, I want to say when you saw someone walk in, if you're watching on the video, that is my grandmother who was supposed to be at her house today and walked in. She is so cute. So for those who got to see her on the video, it's Nona. Um, So now I want to jump over and what is the best piece of advice that you could share with another man who might be afraid to open up about his mental health?
0: The biggest thing for me that I would probably share is that your thoughts that are going through your mind about how bad you think or how people will judge you or how anything is, are nothing like what will actually happen externally. The thoughts that you tell yourself and the way that you speak to yourself on a daily basis, if you like... I had this in a, I can't remember if I it was, it was another coach or a mentor of mine told me, but he, he basically said, if you had, if your thoughts were a person and what your like, what you tell yourself was another person and was a friend of yours, there's no way you would ever be friends with him or her. You would literally disown them because they would all of the negativity, all of the things that get thrown at you, all of that stuff you would be so against them. You'd be like, "Why am I even friends with him?" But we live with that person in our mind every single day and the stuff we tell ourselves are so and this is I'll speak for this, is so ridiculously bad and absurd that we would never be friends. I would I would want to punch myself in the face if I was my friend, if, if the person across from me was my thought, my thought speaking to me, I would, I would be like, this is, this is absolutely absurd. But the thing with it is that when you do talk about it and when I'm going to wrap this back around, when you do talk out loud about it and open up about it, what actually happens is always for, at least for me has always been nothing like what I thought it would be and way better. And it's like, holy cow, it's eye open. And you feel like the weight of the world is taken off of your shoulders for that moment. And it's one of those things that I'm like, why did I build this whole thing up and this big thing and this big dramatic, oh my goodness, everything's crumbling. When, as soon as you talk about it, it's like a rolling hill on a road, it's not a mountain to go over. You're like, Oh, okay. This wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. And it wasn't as bad as this. So it's one of those things that it's just getting reacquainted with those things. I like to use a, a, an analogy that's for me, it was carrying around a giant ice block on my shoulders, call it the way to the world, a giant ice block on my shoulders. If I don't turn around and look at this ice block and start to hold it and understand and start to chip chunks away at it, it will never get smaller. It will always grow. Ice will always grow. So I have to turn around, look at it, chunk it away. The other thing with it is that, as we all know, if we've ever held an ice cube, which probably I'm sure everybody has, it always tends to melt. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to, if you hold a lot of ice for a long time, you're going to, It's not going to be fun, but ultimately what happens is it melts away into water. That's what we can do with our negative thoughts, our our, that weight of the world and those things that we can literally chip away and break it into smaller chunks that we can deal with to then let it release and go away. If we just continually, I'll just keep chugging along. I'm not going to look, I'm putting blinders on. I'm going to let this thing build up. Eventually it'll crush us. And that's where I think a lot of people get to a point of I can't take this anymore when all we really have to do is turn around, look at it, say, okay, I don't know how big this chunk I'm going to take off is. It may be massive. It may be small, but at least I'm making one progress forward. And that little thing is just speaking, speaking up one little thing can change. And it was for me going to that psychiatrist the first time, even though I had a bad experience was a time for me to speak up and speak out. And it changed how in my trajectory of how I was going to go about things, even though I didn't have a good experience with it. And sometimes we don't have good experiences, but it will change the way that our life moves. And it's, we don't think it's a good experience in that time frame, but I can now look back on it and be like, that was a great experience because it shaped and it's changed me to where I am now. So it's, is it really a bad experience? It was bad at the moment, but we'll always look back at it and say, oh, okay, this is actually better not better, but I came out of it on the other side. I'm, I'm doing better about it. So I think that's where it's just get out of your own thoughts. If you can, I know it's tough. It's not fun. It's not easy. We deal with it on a daily basis, but it's just exploring our thoughts. And I apologize if you can hear a couple of dogs in the background, we have two, two dogs outside that were they're, it's it's getting close to their playtime, so we'll we'll try to get through this. So I do apologize for that if anybody heard that as well.
1: We are just <laughs> killing it today with these backgrounds, <laughs> um, everyone. This is why Dan is a mindset coach. That answer was the explanation of why and why you should work with him. Um, first of all, I always say talk to yourself like you would talk to your friend. But I love how you switched it up and said, if those voices in your head was a friend sitting across from you, would you be friends with them? That was a really great, great way to look at it because a lot of times we think that it's okay to criticize ourselves. That's normal. And yeah, it is normal. We're going to judge ourselves. We're going to criticize ourselves, but it doesn't have to be a constant. It doesn't have to be something that we choose to have in our lives all the time around us. And that's kind of like a friend. You pick and choose who you want to surround yourself with and how much you want to surround yourself with them. So I loved that analogy or metaphor. I'm not sure what the word is. Um, But on the other side of that, what is the best piece of advice you could share with someone who a man is opening up to?
0: For me, this is probably one of the bigger things is don't keep prying for more information. It's a big thing that just the fact that a man is starting to open up, if he gives you a sentence, let it be at that. Don't keep prying at certain things because it may have taken him months to form that sentence. And the fact that he did is an amazing win. And understand that he will come back when he needs to, to release more or tell more. So that's probably the bigger thing is, It's going to be a little bit of a process and a little bit of a, I wouldn't want to say a dance, but let him lead. You're going to have to maybe lead once in a while, but let him lead majority of the time because he's the one going through this. He's having to process so much more and so much more deeply, probably because he's been told not to talk up, not to speak about things. So I think that's where let it be, let it be what it is in that moment appreciate, be like, I'm so grateful you told me that, but don't then be like, Oh, give me more, give me more, give me more, give me more. Because we as men that are like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to shriek away. I don't, I'm going to get away from everything. I just told you something super vulnerable and I don't know how to process what you're asking now. So I'm just going to shut down again. So at least that's what happens for me. And I can probably speak to that. Probably most males will feel that way. So I think it would be If somebody comes out, especially a male and says, Hey, I need to speak to you about this. Hold the space. Great. Maybe ask a couple of follow-up questions. And if you start to see them and everybody can read body language or even on the phone, you can hear it or text messages are tough because obviously or email like, but if somebody still reaches out, it's, Hey, that's a massive step forward for them understanding that. And I think it's just holding the space for that person, how much they want to tell you if it's a sentence or if it's. They need to talk for hours. Perfect. The other thing I would say is for me, this has always been something of, well, this is how you should handle it. Probably not the best way to go about a a phrase for me personally. Um, But it's also, hey, this is what, or you could say, this is what's helped me this may help you try it out. It's, and we're all trying to figure out what tools we want to put in our tool or in our toolbox. Your toolbox is going to look completely different from my toolbox, but we're going to ultimately, what we're trying to do is be happy. Everybody innately wants to be happy. That's all we, all we truly want is to be happy. How we get there is going to look different for every person. So it's giving the toolboxes, but understanding don't try to pry more tools out if they're not willing to give that for, from a male's point of view. And it's another thing that I, I would probably say sometimes, yes, you're going to have to push a little harder for some people, but I think letting them, letting them run the conversation is going to be a better thing is, is, is how I feel on it. And that's, what's helped me. Um, it's something that my wife and I work on to this day. It's what I work on with clients. It's what I work on with friends, that kind of stuff. And even with my own parents, it's still one of those things of like, I may only give you an inch or I may give you a mile, but it's, it's all a step forward.
1: I really want to echo what you said. Um, And again, this is my opinion and Dan's opinions. These are not set in stone facts. You need to find what works best for you and you can, Um, talk to peers, talk to mental health professionals, talk to people you look up to, receive guidance or counseling from. But I completely agree that I utilize the same approach of letting the person guide the conversation and providing supportive and validation statements to it. Letting them know that it's okay to open up and I'm here for you, but not over prying and trying to force them into opening up. Just let them know that you're here, you're making the space and when they wanna talk and how much they wanna talk is up to them. And I found from my experience, and at least when people are talking to me about it, about what I'm going through, I feel more comfortable when I'm guiding the conversation, but I know that they're comfortable listening to me and they're okay listening to me and they want to be there. So I really love the way you put it. And again, this is our opinions and you need to find what is best for you. Dan, you've been absolutely amazing today. Before we jump off, can you let us know one more time how our listeners can connect with you?
0: Absolutely. So you can connect with me. I'm mainly active on Instagram. So at the Dan Olson, um, that's O L S O N, not with an E. Uh, I am. Sorry. A, no, it's not. Trust me. Even if I spell it out for people, people still put an E in it. It's, we're, I'm a Scandinavian Norwegian guy. So we've got a, a, a weird way of, of spelling our names sometimes. Um, but connect with me on on Instagram or head over to my website at thedanolson.com. Um, you can also find me at The Olson Project. Um, it is the nonprofit that I did start. So at The Olson Project Foundation on Instagram and at theolsonproject.com. So both places will kind of redirect you back to me. Um, the nonprofit we're... Trying to make more of that separation of not it's just about Dan, it's we're we're in this as a whole type of thing. So if you want to work with me personally, come to the Dan Olson, the nonprofit. And the Olson project is going to be more of a resource hub, programs, that kind of stuff, and and go about that. So, but I post a lot of great information on both. So it's just one of those things that it's they they, they go hand in hand, but we're trying to figure out how, how they're going to balance on the seesaw sometimes, but it's either way is a great way to connect with me. Um, send me a direct message or reach out and I'll I'd be happy to chat with, with anybody. So
1: one more time that is O L S O N I am super <laughs> guilty of putting the E I noticed on your talking points, your calendar invite. I am so well aware that it's an O (laughs) and yet I still write the E. So I apologize. But for those listening, don't forget it's an O. Dan, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, for having this conversation with me, for starting a nonprofit, to continue this conversation and to make a difference for so many people. You are just absolutely awesome. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Fran. And again, guys and women out there that maybe have some males, just talk. It's, it's literally talking can be an amazing thing. Um, thank you so much again. And I appreciate everything that you're doing and your nonprofit and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's all great, great things. And the more that we can make this more well known and, and the, better, the better we're all going to be as a community and the better we're all going to be for each other.